I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 435. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. If a contemporary Christian song on the radio is speaking to your heart, chances are it is speaking to others as well. And that's why I love getting song requests from my listeners. Plans by Rin Collective was on my playlist throughout my summer break on recommendation from my daughter. She's in college right now, and by nature of being in college, she's in in kind of an in-between season of life. And Rin Collective themselves talks about how this song reflects the gray space between faith and fear. And the call to action in the lyrics is to trust our loving Father God who has not flung us out into the world without purpose, but rather we can rest in the knowledge that he has plans for us, even when we're stuck in the in-between. In fact, before we dive into scripture, let's listen. You got plans for me. You got plans for me. I use the song to inspire me to read scripture, but I want to try something new with you this week. I want to see how the theme of this song is reflected in the text that I've already been reading. So I have a habit of systematically reading through scripture on a daily basis, and then I tuck in my deeper study and interaction with God's word on top of that. So the stuff that I talk with you about on the podcast is generally on top of what I'm studying or reading through systematically. So in addition to that, I'm in a new season with my youngest daughter. She's homeschooling for the first time this year, and she's a sophomore in high school. We have found three providers of biblical worldview curriculum with online teachers to go ahead and fulfill that scope and sequence that we wanted for her education. All of that's just a fancy way of saying I am not teaching her Latin, chemistry, uh, algebra two, or any of the other classes she's taking online. I am, however, taking on the task of teaching Bible. So what are we doing for her Bible class? Wait for it reading the Bible. (laughs) What a concept. Now, I don't mean to be snarky, uh, but I do think that the best foundation for Meredith's future Bible classes in theology and doctrine and apologetics and all the things that are fun to dig into uh, will be better served if she's read the text for herself first. And so we're using a resource I've mentioned on the podcast before, 
we are using a reader's Bible by Tyndale called the Immerse Bible Series. And we're reading through Messiah, which is the entire New Testament. And Immerse takes out the chapter and verse notations and formats the text in a way that looks and feels more like a novel than a reference book. Because if you've ever picked up your Bible and looked at the chapters and the verses and all that, it just kind of feels more like a reference book in comparison to a reader's Bible like this. And they've even rearranged the order of the books in the New Testament for various reasons. I'll go ahead and link to the article where they explain all of that. But all that to say, that means that Messiah starts out with Luke and Acts. So instead of reading Matthew first, you dive into Luke and Acts together because it's written by the same person to the same person. So it's kind of like a part one and a part two written by Luke to Theophilus. So on our first official day of Bible class, Meredith and I read aloud to each other for 20 minutes, and then we discussed for what was supposed to be 10 minutes, but turned into 20 minutes. So we kind of adjusted a little bit. Now we read out loud for 15 and discuss for 15, and it works out great. As a a mom, my heart is full. It was a really sweet time with my girl. But as a follower of Christ, interacting with God's word, I want to share with you the bites that we used and uh, show you how you can use the same Bible interaction tool exercises, again, bites, and how it all links to our song this week. So again, bite means Bible interaction tool exercises. They are the habits that I use to keep my time in God's word varied and effective. So just based on what I've already described to you, uh, we use the bite of sharing with a friend. So in this case, we were reading with a friend. Both of us are comfortable with the bite of reading the text aloud, so it was easy to take both bites at once. So we would read out loud to each other, take turns, and uh, so you're reading out loud and you're reading with a friend. Now, reading for a set amount of time is also a bite, and that is as opposed to for a set number of pages or chapters. So I suppose also that it simultaneously takes the bite of read and keep on reading, meaning we didn't stop to digest what we were reading. We just read for 20 minutes, and then we talked, okay? So we set the timer, and we weren't trying to read fast or read slow. We just set the timer, read it until it went off, and then talked for another 15 All right, so we also took the bite of reading with a pen in hand. In my case, it was a highlighter. I would highlight phrases or areas that I wanted to come back to 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 discuss later. Meredith used a pen. She underlined certain phrases, bracketed different paragraphs, all that kind of thing. So whatever you're most comfortable with, but read with a pen in hand. And then we took the bite also of asking questions. So we each had a journal in our lap. We would jot down questions as they came up. More on that in a minute, but asking questions of the text is a wonderful interaction tool. Don't be afraid to ask questions. So then we took the bite of sharing with a friend. I I know I already said that, but we shared the experience of reading the text together, and then we shared our thoughts with one another. Again, with pen in hand, jotting down things in our respective notebooks. So as one person would say something or say, oh, I highlighted that, sometimes we'd we'd go back and highlight it too, or we would write it down in a notebook or, or something like that. I have not had this much fun in a long time interacting with God's word. 
And you know what? I always think it's fun to interact with God's word, but this was just a whole new level. I'm going to give you one quick example, kind of a complimentary bonus, as it were. But in Luke uh, chapter 1, Zechariah and Mary are both promised babies. And Zechariah asks a question of the angel Gabriel, and young Mary asks a question of the angel Gabriel. And on the surface, they both seem to be asking the same question. How can what you're telling me is going to happen actually happen? So Zechariah couldn't understand how two old people could get pregnant, and Mary couldn't figure out how a virgin could get pregnant. Makes sense, right? But their questions weren't quite the same because Zechariah got in trouble for his question, and Mary got an explanation. And so Meredith and I talked about this a little bit, and she said this. After examining the words for herself, remember she's 15 years old, she said, Mary is asking how God is working, and Zechariah seems to be asking, how can I know God will work? (laughs) What a profound observation. Mary wants clarity, and Zechariah wants proof. Ponder that for a moment, my friend. In your questions to God right now, in your gray space between faith and fear, as Ren Collective talks about, are you seeking clarity or proof? Because our song declares that we have proof, and this scripture implies that God will honor our request for clarity. So all of that sets the foundation for the fact that I'm already reading in an area of scripture. We're reading in Luke. And so now let's consider this idea of God's plans within the text I'm already already reading. Now you can do the same. I don't know where you're reading right now, but see if you can identify the plans of God within the text. And if you're not reading anywhere right now, let this be your inspiration to pick up the book of Luke and read along with Meredith and I. So as I considered the first chapters of Luke, I identified four people or sets of people that God had plans for. And there are more, but I I identified four for this conversation. We can get a partial understanding from the text itself, and I'll share some thoughts from elsewhere in Scripture to kind of flesh out my thoughts on all of this. But let's consider Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, John, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he's eventually going to be known as John the Baptist, and then Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, also the son of God, the Messiah. Okay, so Luke chapter one, verse five says this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So just from these few verses, we get a glimpse of part of God's plans thus far for Zechariah and Elizabeth. As a Jewish priest, Zechariah's purposes were set out in a God-ordained role that he was called to fulfill. So just by his heritage, he was going to be a priest and the priest had a role to fulfill. You can also see a kink in the normal plans for a married woman, Elizabeth, uh, children, specifically the lack of children in this marriage relationship. So at this point in their lives, they determined, I bet, I can imagine, that it was not in God's plan for them to have children. But as we'll see shortly, this was not going to remain the case. I love observing the detail that while they could not have children, which undoubtedly brought sorrow and public shame, because in those days, a barren woman was, quote unquote, obviously cursed by God. But despite all of this, they were careful to obey all of God's commandments and regulations, and they were considered righteous. 
Uh, It seems that though the plans of God for them seemed unfair or were painful, they did not let bitterness seep in and uh, let it lead to disobedience. So lucky for us, we enter the story here in verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So it was God's plan to give them a son after all. And though we've already talked about it because Zechariah's fear and doubt overrode his faith in that moment, he did have a bit of a consequence. So God's plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth was to bring them great joy and gladness in their old age through a son. And not just any son, a forerunner to the Messiah, which can only clearly be seen on the other side of all these in-between moments of God's great plans. Now, there's more to ponder, like it was God's plan for them to raise the forerunner of Christ. What was that like? It was God's plan for the community to rejoice with them. It was God's plan for Mary to visit Elizabeth that we'll read in a minute. She stayed for a while. So much to think about. I hope you'll do that on your own this week. Again, perhaps with a pen in hand. But let's move on to Mary and Joseph. Now, up until this point in Mary's young life, she was growing up in a Hebrew household. She's probably had many people under one roof. She was in a stage in her life where her family joined in to select the perfect husband for her. And in her mind, that God-ordained husband, through the approval of her family, was Joseph. Living an honorable life, giving glory to God, this was the pattern of Mary's life And most likely her interpretation of God's plan for her. It was a good life. Uh, Based on Mary's response in God's word, it doesn't seem like she had these big dreams of grandeur. Like, oh, good. This is exactly what I thought was going to (laughs) happen. So let's just listen uh, in uh, verse 28 of chapter 1. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So the plans of God for Mary were interpreted by her in this way, and we are able to read it in Scripture uh, a little bit further down. She says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent their rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever." 
Now you could take the bite right here of making a list. I wrote down she rejoices, she feels blessed, she counts it as the mercy of God, and she believes his plans for her are great. But how will she feel when Joseph doesn't believe her? Or when she is an unwed mother in a culture that stones such women to death? You see, God's plans for Mary were both powerful and painful, hopeful and harrowing. God's plans were to bring forth a forerunner for Jesus, his own son, who would become the savior of the world for all time. Use the same pattern we've been practicing to consider God's plans for John and God's plans for Jesus. I mean, I know that Jesus is God, but he was fully divine and fully human. And some things went well for him on earth and others didn't. All part of God's plan, even down to the fact that one of his closest friends would betray him. Scripture reveals even that was in God's plan. That hurts to think about. And God's plans for John included great renown and a significant place in history. But his commitment to truth, even toward the political elite, meant that his last days on earth were in a prison with an unfortunate demise. Matthew 14 gives you the nitty-gritty details if you're not aware of that story. God's plans for Jesus looked like 30 years of a normal Hebrew upbringing, three years of public ministry, Again, betrayal by a close friend and death on a cross. On any given day, God's plan may have seemed small on the day that that piece of furniture was due or that he was sanding some wood or even in his public ministry where he was just eating and greeting and getting to know people. On another day, God's plans were too much to bear as we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane. Much of this is shown in scripture, but even the magnificently mundane days can be imagined by us because they are common to all men. So on a high level, we rejoice in God's plans for Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, John and Jesus, because they directly affect us. You see, God's plans for them means our eternity is forever changed if we accept his free gift of salvation and surrender our lives to Christ. But the details of a surrendered life are not guaranteed to be pain-free. And we, I think we've proven that by the stories of these faithful ones in, in these first couple of chapters of Luke. I do believe that his plans for you include great joy, magnificent mercy, curious consequences in our times of unbelief, and bold blessings, just as we've uncovered in the text Even so, I encourage you to respond to the call to action found in our song this week, to trust a God who has plans for us. And as the lyrics say, when I haven't seen the answer to my prayer, Lord, I still believe there's a miracle to spare. So what's next? Well, ponder the plans of God in the area of scripture you are currently exploring. Just apply what we've been doing today to what you're already reading. Be brutally honest about the comforting nature of God's plans and the unpleasant aspects of God's plans for us all while surrendering in trust to him. And if you aren't reading anywhere in particular at the moment, go ahead and pick up Luke. Read and keep on reading. And might you consider reading with a friend? I highly recommend it. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public Facebook page is michellekneezat. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at New Release Today. 
www.thepodcastmama.com. Now, I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website, michellekneesat.com, I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes, with all the scriptures I use, and links to resources that I used in my personal study, even if I didn't mention it on the podcast. Now, my featured free resource this week for new subscribers is my 30-day music challenge, which is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. I walk you through it with a one minute video every day. It's free. So head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 30 day challenge to take the challenge. Change your music, change your life. With that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Gail from Washington, Marianne from Colorado, Marlise from Nebraska, and Ron from Nebraska. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, can you please do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Just like Jesus Radio Girl did when she wrote, I've been looking for something like this. Time well spent mining God's word with Michelle. She is wise and comes across as warm and welcoming. Well, that's so nice of you to say. Thanks for taking the time to post a review. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring Time and Time Again by Local Sound to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 435. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.